AOD on the mic is brought to you by Army of Dreamers. In this podcast, we highlight artists, entrepreneurs, and creatives in pursuit of their dreams. We understand that the dream is the vehicle and the drive is what gets you there. So we motivate that drive and we fuel those dreams by telling your stories. Make sure you head over to thearmyofdreamers.com and check out exclusive merch, previous podcasts, and announcements on up and coming events. We are not sponsored. And if you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, make sure you hit us up at aodmediagroup at gmail.com. Happy listening, guys. What up, y'all? Shonda with Army of Dreamers. And with me today is a special guest. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. How you guys doing today? My name is Travis McCoy. I go by the great travesty. The great travesty. That's a good name. How did you come up with that name? So funny story was when I was coming up with my art alias Mm -hmm. back in 2010, Mm -hmm. I just really wanted like a playoff words. So Travis is uh, is actually a very rare name, I feel like, to have. It is. To really build something out of that. I didn't really have anything to tie it to. And I just felt like travesty was just more of my niche. Yeah. It was actually one of my favorite words to like use too. So mm-hmm. travesty is what I went with. And then just to be original, I actually used the acronym variation to kind of spell it. Mm-hmm. Just having that T at the end gave it a little bit more. It did. Finesse. Yeah. And that's the artist's mind. For those of you who don't know Travis or travesty, the great travesty, he is an artist in Columbus and he specializes in, I don't, I don't know what you specialize in. How would you describe your art? I specialize in a little bit of everything. Uh, It started out being just focused on illustration because Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And then from there, just through my studies, I just became inspired by just more um, abstract painters just from like the past, like uh, Van Gogh, Escher, Dolly, like even Walt Disney, just with the whole uh, story building and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it went from illustrating to painting and then when I got into college, it was graphic design, which I was trying to murder. Yeah. <laughs> and then like now, it's just that, you know, my passions have expanded outside of actual art. And I'm really into like sculpting just with okay. metal, glass works. And I'm really trying to get into directing. So. Yeah. So you do a lot of mixed media pieces. I feel like you have to nowadays. <laughs> yeah. And the one thing that I remember saying to you when we met the second time in person, which was at um, Alan's house party. Um, I complimented you on your work and I said that you your work drew me in because you work with red and red is a very unforgiving color. It's a color of passion, you know. <laughs> and that goes with heart. your name too cuz travesty is a very um emotional name. It's a, it it just it rattles you, it shakes you up when you hear it as far as like it's just dramatic. Thank you. And then you paint and you draw or you incorporate red in such a dramatic way. Thank you, thank you. So, is that all deliberate? Is that all a part of the brand? Uh, very intentional. I mean, at first it didn't really start out as that. It just became something, like once again, like through my studies, I felt like an artist needs some type of signia, so something that can relate to their name. So mm-hmm. whenever you see their work, you just know it's theirs. Like Prince. Just like <laughs> Prince, yeah. So red was definitely the first step into that, and then it really got into like pattern work and then just certain 
certain types of uh, designs that I wanted to just like allocate with my name. That's dope because yeah. if you think about like Louboutins, red bottoms, you're like the exactly. Louboutin of art. <laughs> Nobody had the red. <laughs> so now that. your art becoming designer art, that is what it will be. Uh, definitely. It's, it's very self-reflective, like mm-hmm. especially if I'm going through just like an emotional time or just something traumatic. Like mm-hmm. I like to always dig through my memories and think of like a, ho- a whole life experience where I learned a very valuable lesson, but I still, I still reciprocate that pain though. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to lose that. Right. So with the artwork, it's, I'm always trying to tell, I'll say I'll always try to tell the same story, mm-hmm. but from a different point of view. Okay. You know, and a lot of people don't do that. <laughs> you know, for me, art is definitely about relation. Mm-hmm. So to have like a memory or an experience where I can tie my work back to, mm-hmm. it just helps me get the ideas out. Yeah. So you like to hold on to the pain. Uh, so in a way, do, do you feel like the pain grows you? But what what benefit is it to hold on to the pain versus just release so it? It's really not holding on to it. Like, um, holding on to the lesson more so. Yeah, my mind, like the way I think is very compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. So... Like when I when I when I express it, I try to tell people like how I envision like when I'm in my head, mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm in this hallway and I have multiple doors. Yeah. Each door has just like a different time of my life mm-hmm. kind of behind it. And I like to revisit those doors just to kinda just to kinda see like where I was at that point in time. Like I know we say like it's better to just learn from your lessons than like let them go. Mm-hmm. And like that's true and all but you also can't forget that these lessons are the things that made you yeah so if i choose (laughs) to like let that go it's almost like i'm letting go a part of myself yeah you know that's deep (laughs) i think a lot of times too is like um with lessons that we learn we relearn lessons throughout life exactly because we get so far that we get to a place where we kind of we're moving so fast or our um attention goes to something else and we forget what we even went through in that moment and then we sometimes find ourselves in those moments that again. same situation. <laughs> and then when you go through it again, you're like, that's what I get because I should have learned. Like, that's when you finally bring yourself back into the point of, okay, I, I've been here before. And sometimes Definitely. people go through things three times, you know, four times, which hopefully, hopefully not that Hopefully many. you stop at hopefully the fifth time. <laughs> but even if you don't, hopefully it's Hopefully you stop cool. at the third cool time. But for me, I think the, the most I've probably repeated lessons three times and that third time i'm like all right something then i gotta analyze the whole board and i'm like what what change. is it that i really gotta change to prevent this from happening again but yeah. i think that's dope though to keep those lessons around and like For you sure. said revisit those rooms because at the end of the day you are the house and every room in the house is your experience exactly and then, you know it, it's a beautiful house it's It's important to laugh at yourself too i feel like yeah like a lot of people don't do that like i do i self-reflect a lot and i've made a lot of mistakes y'all on your couch just laughing at yourself i do i do it's funny because like at my last art show that we did the short north i had one of my high school friends come through and like my i have my whole family there all my friends Mm -hmm. and this kid is actually breaking up stories of how i used to dress back Uh in the day i never had my family like laugh so hard at me it was I think we all had those moments with how we dressed, though. Like, I can't say that I dressed bad back then because the way I felt, I felt like I was popping. I remember one time. You are capping right now. (laughs) I remember one time I had these neon uh, Reebok. They was like the high, the high top. 
kind of like the fila that came out, but they were neon green. And I was walking through downtown. It was the 4th of July. Yeah. And this girl yelled out to me. She was like, bitch, <laughs> if you don't turn your shoes down. <laughs> and I swear to you, like, when I look back on that, I was like, she was absolutely right. Like, why the hell was I wearing them ugly? But you was right? popping, though. Remember that. In the moment, I was popping. I felt like I was doing my thing. So yeah, I had the, I had the all-white suede Sean John outfit. Oh my god! For like my first, my first day in high school, actually. Oh my god! And I can't believe I let my mom convince me like that was hot. Hey, we thought it was hot yeah. back then, though. Did they? Did the kids not think it was hot? Nah, they I know just, Fulu they, was hot. They popping. definitely looked at me, and there was some death. There was some internal jokes. Yeah. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> But it's always cool to be outside of the box, and it's always cool to have those that edge to you, to be unique. <laughs> you I said, would say. You said edge. <laughs> really? It was all suede though. Like that's that was a very cornball outfit. I'm not even gonna say. <laughs> but you gotta think about back in the day when prints and them were hot. That was edgy. That's the same thing my mom said. <laughs> but um, so on a sense of like growth, I guess, what do you describe your style as now? I don't like the way I dress. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very, uh, I like to be just open with just everything that I like. Like, after high school and when I really got to college, I really learned that it doesn't matter what I wear just as long as I fuck with it. Exactly. Like, it really, like, even if it's not in style, quote, unquote, because style, it's ever-changing. and It has seasons. It does have seasons. <laughs> and everything always comes back into play. Like, the way I dress, it's fine. I dress like a character, for real. Like, yeah. I like to dress how I feel on certain days. I like to be very... Like, just clean cut. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of inspiration does come from, like, overseas, like, Japan style. Mm -hmm. Like, not, like, European. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, just, that's just how I feel. Like, I try not to follow trends because if it's not me, like, if I don't reciprocate that brand, like, with the the new fanny packs or the, the yeah. Merces, the Merces yeah. as we call them, it's just I'll never do it. Yeah, I haven't gotten back into the fanny pack situation either. <laughs> I did it one time. I thought about it, but I was like, I'm going to buy it, and I'm not going like, to wear it. I just didn't have nothing to put in the fanny pack because I was putting everything in my pockets. Yeah. So I just stopped. <laughs> so what else do you have going on as far as, like, how long? First of all, are you from Columbus? Born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, uh, 27 years. Started out on the east side of Columbus, you know, moved mm -hmm. to the north side, and now I stay out west. Okay, so living in Columbus and being an artist, what keeps you busy? Just the idea of doing better, really. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up on the east side, so I kind of, like when I was being raised, like my household wasn't really, it wasn't the best situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I definitely relate to just like a lot of people that are going through that right now, just mm -hmm. with, you know, underdeveloped neighborhood, just seeing how people like react and all the negativity that goes around. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like, that was like the bar that I felt like when I was younger, like, okay, I, I want to do better than yes, this. Absolutely. You know? I can, I so like, with that. <laughs> that was, that was like the push. Yeah. And then from there, just, you know, just seeing how different people lived throughout my life. I just kept that as like a, like that was, that would be the lowest point for me. Yeah. And then when I just saw different lifestyles, like the hippie lifestyle, like the college lifestyle, and then just like the, the business life, I just put, I made like all these little margins where it was like, okay, I know I want to live like this, but I don't want to be like that, <laughs> yeah. you know? 
So that's kind of how. That's a dope way to put it. I've never heard anybody describe it like that because I have been called so many things in my life. I've been called a tree hugger at times. And I used to dress with a lot of like earthy (laughs) colors and I used to be really organic. I used to wear my hair in twists. Um, I was called a rocker or an emo person, which I never had like a deep. I've been there before. I yeah. rocked the, I rocked the skinny jeans. <laughs> but I, and that's the thing. And I the never had hoodies. a deep, like in my idea of what an emo, a person was that who was described as emo, I didn't see myself as that. Like I didn't have like hella dark makeup or anything on. Yeah. But I did like certain parts of the edge. So I always. It was probably just the pieces. outfits they were really looking at. Yeah. Real. And I probably wore my hair like bone straight, <laughs> like bone straight, dark hair. But um I just think that finding parts of style in every piece of, or in every part of style, finding pieces of style is a good um, description of how you would want to be because nobody is the same. And to want to conform to ideas of style or to follow every fashion rule, it really doesn't make sense. And at the end of the day, it's just putting money into pockets of people because you're creating these these boxes and these exactly. But, I mean, you can really just look at Western society, too, because mm-hmm. it is just this giant bowl of so many different cultures, styles, and brands that's mixed into one. Mm-hmm. So you never really know what you're going to be into until you actually experience that, yeah. you know. And that's what I like to do. Is like I like to just take little parts of what I like and just add that to my own repertoire. Yeah, absolutely. So. And I think it's crazy because even now, I think the beautiful thing with media is we're, be- we're, we're becoming – more and more able to control it ourselves. True, true. What we used to see is things portrayed to us how society wanted us to be mm-hmm. or how society was telling us, you know, what was right, what was wrong, what was beauty, what wasn't beauty. Right. And right. now we're actually taking that back in a way. <laughs> and I'm That's excited true. to see where it goes because I feel like there's a lot of people who can't be happy. <laughs> yeah. I want to say shout out to the artists that took negative connotations Mm -hmm. and brought them to the limelight of being something positive. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that I felt, like when you you brought up beauty, I feel like when I was growing up, like, for instance, I'll talk about my smile for a minute. When I was growing up, I always had a crooked smile, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So I would always feel shy about like showing all my teeth when Uh I like grinned and stuff. And you know, it was one of those things where- I'm sorry. I just loved the way you said that. It was so honest. Like, I always had a crooked smile. So I had the option to get braces when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to get braces because I already knew. Like, I was already a target at school. And I was like, oh, I don't want these kids to, like, make fun of me for something else now, you know. So I chose not to, right? And then over time, it really became one of those things where I was like, oh, damn, like, I just wish I had straighter teeth. Yeah. Maybe maybe women would find me more attractive if I just had a more straighter smile. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was what, 2013, I heard J. Cole's crooked smile and I was like, <laughs> like oh <laughs> shit, like this crooked smile that I have actually makes me more of an individual. And yeah. it actually makes me stand out more than actually having a straighter teeth yeah. or not having an overbite. Yeah. And in correlation, like, I actually get a lot of compliments on like just how I smile and whatnot because it gives people like they just feel it they're just more drawn (laughs) to it you know yeah and I went to the dentist um recently in my adult life and he tried to sell me on getting braces and whatnot because he said I had an overbite which I know I do but like I've had it my whole life so I told my mom I called her I'm like I'm about to have to put all this money out he made (laughs) me feel like my teeth were about to be like out like he made me feel like if I didn't get a um, retainer, if I didn't get braces, my teeth was literally going to look like a 
a sunshade or something. <laughs> so, just like over yeah, your so bottom half. Yeah, so I talked to my mom. Yo. She was like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. But I think they do that in general because it's not their fault at the end of the day. Um, these doctors and these dentists, these orthodontists, they are they're doing their job. They're trained yeah. to know what straight teeth are. Not what normal teeth are, but straight. But don't you think it's weird that society puts so much emphasis on perfection? Yeah. As far as like you got to have straight teeth. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, our ancestors did not have straight teeth. Right. They were cool with just what and they, they were, were born with. I think they were, and it's crazy when you think about what our ancestors lived through and grew through exactly. and how they still existed. Because we have so much that we go through and we live through, and we have so many people who talk about struggling with depression and struggling with anxiety, things that I'm not unfamiliar to. And it's I feel like, like some of that actually isn't real. <laughs> for some people I don't think it's real I think it's really just overthinking yeah it's definitely I think it's real but I think it's it's psychological a lot of it is psychological yeah. but what our ancestors went through they actually had to I feel like if I lived back then I would have to make the conscious decision to continue to live well you also got to think like back then they weren't pressured as much to be a certain way like every everything was all about survival that's what I'm saying. You know, so it's two different, it's two completely different experiences, but both with trauma, like as a result. But mm -hmm. with our parents, that's what, not even our parents, but you know, our ancestors, it was survival. It's and all about survival. So to be able to wake up like that and just want to survive, and that's what your goal is. It's like you had three things you had to do if you woke up back <laughs> in the day. You wake up, you got to hunt, get food, get fresh water. And then just make sure that your shelter is, is protected. That was yeah. it. Yeah. You come to modern day and it's like, oh, shit, I got to make sure the electric bill is paid. They cut my shit off. Make sure my cell phone is charged. I got to have a fresh cut. I got to get groceries. It's like we have we have this to-do list mm -hmm. that's so long. And it's like if yeah. we don't complete at least 5% of it mm -hmm. here and there, we just feel like failures. Yeah. And I think that's where the whole trauma and depression comes from because we're thinking about how other people perceive us yeah you know for sure yeah i think it's that and i think some of it i mean there's levels to it i think there's it depends on each individual i think some True. of our trauma and depression is coming from the just the things put in place in society and that's another thing that you can make a parallel with our ancestors and not even ancestors but like the generations that's closer to us like yeah. great grandparents they had to deal with lynchings in mass numbers versus what we see today which is still happens True. they dealt with police brutality at a heightened scale they yep. dealt with blatant <laughs> racism so it's like we all like we all have different traumas from different times like different times experience different traumas from different things but i feel like living where i am today versus my ancestors and my past generations I think that's what keeps me moving forward because it's like, to me, I've, I know it's not as bad as what they had. For sure. It's like you're in a different place and you're in a different time too where you're actually able to think more consciously. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, so with our parents, their mindset was completely focused on a certain degree of success mm -hmm. and they tried to force that upon us when we we're younger right yeah for sure and because they're <laughs> our parents we looked up to that yeah. we're like oh well this is what my mom and dad says as far as being successful like just have a job start a family have a house a car all this mm -hmm. other stuff and now when you move into this train of thought like our generation 
it's like we don't really focus too much on the material aspect right. you know but <laughs> but because of that our family members actually look down upon us like why are you so why are you so different and i think that's or, where our depression and a lot of our anxiety comes into yeah, it because well. then we feel like we're letting them down yeah low-key but at the end of the day it's almost like you or know, just feeling like you're never going to be good enough but you're happy though right and that's what they don't see is like yeah. life is about happiness not about these uh shallow things that you feel like i should have yeah you know and a lot of the people that are involved in our lives family-wise that give us that advice they are still holding on to things that bring them down as far as like not pursuing their dreams at full force that is true <laughs> like my dad was an artist and he you would never know unless you like spoke to him because he barely had drawings around the house and whatnot but now seeing me um, in a space that I'm coming into and then my younger sister who goes to OU in the space that she's going into, he's looking at it and he's talking about drawing more and painting more. And now he doesn't That's have to up. work. So it's like yeah. he can he has time to do what he wants to do. So I think we inspire our parents in a way and our grandparents in a way now. I try. Like my, I want to say my mom and dad definitely don't reciprocate it <laughs> for real. <laughs> Like, they just got into technology, and yeah. they still try to figure out Facebook. Yeah. So. yeah. My mom just started supporting. Not just started. Well, yeah, kind of. Like, I don't want to say that. She, just started, she just started paying attention. She just started understanding, like, even digesting or knowing what I was doing. Like, uh -huh. now we can have phone conversations, and she actually is reiterating something from a previous conversation when before it was like I knew I was just talking just to talk. Yeah. <laughs> just to do it. Like, put that time in because eventually she was going to pick it up or so in for so. sure but I so, say, uh, oh, my parents well my dad he's always tried to come to one of my shows for real Aww. and i think that's just out of guilt like he's trying to make up for some shit but that's cool <laughs> that's cool though. we're not even gonna talk about that the efforts there. um mom see mom really never had time but she is she's now more invested because she understands like that's what i like to do yeah whereas Back then, it was more of like me just being rebellious. Like, right. I'm gonna be an artist regardless yeah. of what you tell me. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes art can really save people, though. Like, I think just having an outlet or something to express your emotions and your feelings oh, it true. saves you. Like, so it's tough when we live in a society where they do try to make it to where you have to have a regular job. If I could <laughs> not draw or paint, I'd probably be a criminal. Like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> this world, I cannot picture you this world, a this world would have made me crazy a long time ago. Yeah, for sure. I would have just said, "Fuck it, I'm about to rob a bank." For sure. And I did an interview, and somebody asked me the same thing, and I was like, "I couldn't see myself doing anything else." Like exactly. And there's nothing wrong with like having a job to support yourself, but just you know, have that job to kind of maintain while still doing what you can, what you love to do. Like, yep. cause you mean at the end of the day, you still. We still got to pay bills. Right. Like bills I used ain't to, going away. <laughs> I used to actually have other people come at my neck because they felt like I didn't hustle my art hard enough. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I was like, what do you mean, like, hustle? Like, right. that's not what I come, that's not really what I come here to do. Like, I'm really just here to just express myself. And people that purchase the artwork, that's just extra money, you know? Yeah. I'm not really, like, looking for money out yeah. of, like, the artwork for real. So I've always kept that nine to five just because I was raised to kind of have that mindset where it's like, I got to take care of my responsibilities. You right. know, like I'm still human Same. at the end of the day, but I'm an artist first. Yeah. If that makes sense to it be, a, to sense. be an artist first and then be a human second. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, Does that work? Well, it depends. Do you think that when you pass away that your soul is 
not human. <laughs> is human just the physical form? And then the soul transcends. The human is just the shell, which is just the is just the human form. So, the, so soul the soul being energy. Yeah, I'm a creative spirit. Yeah, I'm an artist first. <laughs> so the spirit goes beyond the mind because Definitely. It's it's weird because the mind kind of is our spirit in the human realm. Like in this world, our mind is a part of our spirit because it's our um it's our intellect. Oh, I'm so glad we got on this. <laughs> I like talks <laughs> like this. What here's a question. What if the mind is a representation of the maze that your spirit has Travels to travel through? through. Uh. <laughs> would, that, would that be weird? No, that that could be real. <laughs> that actually could be real. That could be a thing. Like I know I feel like some things definitely aren't set in stone, but I do feel like mm. like I remember in the some I wanna say spiritual text it's said that we choose we kind of choose the bodies that we inhabit mm-hmm. so therefore we also choose the lessons that we're supposed to be here to learn that's true a so what if it's like what if it's like already set up that okay you're going to go through all these different pathways in this one life hmm. so what if the mind is like the the motherboard of the computer exactly which it is to the body I feel like you got to do a painting now <laughs> with oh. with a brain made already in the works and a spirit <laughs> like that would be crazy. Oh, my God. All right. Well, other than um, minds, bodies and spirits, uh, what else do you find interest in? Human anatomy is really dope to me. Just knowing how the body works, how it moves, like how each joint correlates with one another to cause all these different twitches yeah. and like tweaks yeah like that's dope to me i like how i like how we'll never know as much as we want to know mm-hmm. like just dealing with this plane of existence like i was talking to a friend about a couple like two weeks ago about uh have you ever heard of like the water experiment and like when dealing with frequencies and whatnot yeah, I mean, I probably have, but okay. I don't want to say yeah. So do you know <laughs> about just frequencies in general? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whereas if you play a certain sound on a soundboard and you put salt on the soundboard, like the salt will like form the, a certain yeah. uh, symbol or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it turns out water is the same way mm-hmm. where if you speak to it a certain way or if you play a certain noise, the water molecules will actually form into a crazy shape depending mm-hmm. right so our, our bodies being 80 percent of that almost shows you that the way you think or the way you like perceive things just the energy that you put out it actually does have an effect on like what you're going to going to look like physically <laughs> you know yeah, so i find that dope Dang, i never um, i always knew about frequencies but i never put that together you should watch the water experiment. I'm gonna have to. I it's, have to now. <laughs> it's, it's dope. It's dope. It's almost like a. It's the thing with the rice jar. Like you put, you have two rice jars, and one jar you write love, and the other jar you write hate. So then you speak love to this jar, and then you speak hate to the other one. And it's like, the one that has white rice that has love on it, just stays regular rice. Mm-hmm. But then the hate jar, it actually starts to mold and decay. That's crazy. Because you're speaking so much negativity to it. That's crazy. So, like, that is weird to me. That is weird. You know, like, <laughs> like, as people, we don't really look too much into that stuff. 
But they yeah. say too, like everything is a frequency. So it if is? you match the exact same frequency, you can lev like basically your hand could pass through a table if they're the same frequency. You could levitate. You could have fire in your in your hands. Like, <laughs> it's so it's just so weird the just world how the world is, is shaped up. Uh, manifestation and just communicating with the universe is mm -hmm. something that interests me a lot. And I'm really like I'm really now interested in like a lot of uh, psychology works, mm -hmm. just knowing how the brain works and how it functions and where actually trauma, stress, like and depression, where all that really comes from. Just yeah. knowing that stuff is really dope to me. That's dope. Yeah, I do a lot of eternal work, like eternal works for myself. So. So when you do a gallery show, what does that look like? Like, what is all involved in that? Do you just have your art up and people come through? Do you speak? So I always want to outdo myself. Like, that is what I'm looking to Like That's low-key my mission. It's just really to just do better constantly. Mm -hmm. And I want to say at first, when it came to showcasing artwork, I did just want to hang pictures on the walls and just have people come through. Like, that's actually how it started for me. Mm -hmm. But then I felt like when you have music playing, it kind of it kind of gives people more of a look into what actually motivates you and what like the inspirations really are. Because people are actually able to feel the music that you're playing in the gallery and be like, oh, like this is the type of stuff he listens to. So yeah. that kind of I see why it brought this image to life. Mm -hmm. But now it's like when I do a gallery show, I just don't want to hang up art. Right. Like, I feel like when you do a walkthrough, I want you to actually walk into my head. Yeah. Through. You know, like, I want to <laughs> share who I am internally rather than what you're seeing on the outside surface. Yeah. You know, so my next showcase, I'm really looking, I'm really looking to do more of art, mm -hmm. but it's going to be focused on the interior rather than just pictures on the wall. Okay. So when is your next? Do you have a showcase? Coming up. So my next show is actually planned for February around okay. my birthday. Okay. And I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to spoil yeah. like the surprise no, for cool. real. But <laughs> the inspiration will definitely be it'll be Roman art, just Roman okay. culture for real. And it, it is focused on the month of February, which is actually a month that focuses on the purging of spirits mm -hmm. and the release of evil to actually bring more uh, fertility and positive energy into your life. Nice. Yeah, I did that research like two days ago. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I mean, we look forward to it. I'm definitely trying to be there just from this conversation alone. Well, it'll like, be the vibe free. It's gonna be crazy. You know, come through. <laughs> I'm gonna have refreshments. It's gonna be catered by like a job I used to have. You know, I'm trying to have tea <laughs> cakes there. Y'all pay attention to this though. Pay attention to the fact that a job he used to have is catering the events. Pay attention to the way Trav has been speaking through this whole interview like that's how you really should go about like art like that's how you should really go about you know pushing yourself seriously and yeah. i think that's one thing the army of dreamers focuses on like there's no nobody should follow anybody else's path to the t i'm not saying you that can't. but connectivity and like just being grounded in what you love to do and also just you know like you said understanding and identifying your human you have to make a living you have to pay your bills but you're gonna do art because you love to do it so could I touch on hustle real quick? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to hustling, and this is actually some advice for artists for real, you got to look at the demographic of who you're trying to sell to because you shouldn't just be trying to sell to one aspect of like 
people. Like you right. should actually branch out because you never know who would actually be interested in your work. Yeah. Like even if you're producing music, like you don't know who would actually listen to it. Mm-hmm. So talk to everybody. Like definitely show respect. Be open. Like you don't you don't gotta be shy. You know like. <laughs> Even if it's just a random person walking down the street and you mm-hmm. got a blank CD on you or you just have a flyer, definitely like give it to them and just be like, hey, you know, if you have some free time, I would love for you to check this out. Yeah. And you won't, you'll be surprised like who would actually reciprocate that. Yeah. And actually like come out and support. Yeah. Did you start out like that? Like, were you always? I was super shy. Open. <laughs> I didn't talk to nobody. So what, what broke <laughs> you? Like what, what opened you up to like that? Like being more forward? When you take so many L's in life (laughs) and you got to pick yourself back up you realize that you got to (laughs) change some things about you as a person so that's what really like motivated me like just seeing how just seeing who was actually buying my work because I I mean I love the fact that family really supported me but I was Mm -hmm. like like this ain't really getting me nowhere I want strangers to have my work so from there it was just like let me talk to some campus kids let me talk to some adults this person's wearing a suit and tie, knowing damn well they don't have time for anything I'm about to tell them. Yeah. Let me just ask them and see what happens. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of what really pushed me to like branch out. Okay. And yeah. ever since then, it's just been really easy. Like. Yeah. And that's crazy that you said the whole L's thing because I had literally just. L's. <laughs> <laughs> I had put a post on Facebook that said. Uh, God will turn your L's into lemonade And it was just One day I was just sitting there Thinking about my L's And I was like Damn I done took some L's <laughs> But then I thought about it I'm like But every time I, so, I'm like Every time something dope come about I be really Yo, like It be dope as hell And so I asked myself one day Like why you keep take Like why do you take these L's But then I was like Because Every Like how, we love the chaos. L's. Yeah, it's like however many L's there is, that one win is like a flower. It's like that center, that win is the center, and the L's are the petals that make that win look, you know, even more beautiful. Yep. So the L's are going to be there, and you'll probably have more L's than wins, but the wins will carry the weight of, like, the wi- the win will be bigger than the L's combined. Definitely. And then it'll take you to the next phase where you'll have more I put out I put out a tweet, like, a couple <laughs> days ago where I said, I was like, you ever realize that your best ideas come when you're backed against the corner? Mm-hmm. It is so true. Like, when you really start taking L's, that's when you really start making the moves that you need to make in life. Yeah. Because like, we I, put the pressure on ourselves. A lot of times do. when we're taking L's, we're investing and we miss out on money or we miss out on, you know, it's times where we're tight because we done took an L that we exactly. took a chance on. And we but. talk ourselves down too. Like, we'll talk ourselves down from certain things because we feel like, it's not meant for us or it's not possible, but it's like, you got to stop doing that. Yeah. That's one. That's you know? the worst L to have. I don't had a couple of those. I don't have as many of those, but when I talk myself out of something and just the question of what if yeah, I hate it, that's actually how I started. Cause I used to actually tell myself how bad I was as an artist <laughs> like at first, but I was still a draw. I just knew like <laughs> when it came to competitions, like with other kids that I knew, I was always losing. Yeah. And I was just like, damn, like, why this person is so better than me? Da, 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 da. And then one day, but then every, no, no, not one day, but every time I would just, like, okay, I'm going to be better because I want to be good. So yeah. if this person is better than me today, I'm going to kill them tomorrow. Yeah. You and know? then you get and to see, just, I mean, it's, it's just, you probably didn't even know those people were out there until you were in that competition. 
You didn't see no, that part? No, I knew that it was out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like, okay, so one story was, it was like probably one of the most embarrassing stories for me. Like, it was eighth grade, no, no, 11th grade, and I had an English class with like one of my friends from like high school. So this kid was actually in a, he was in an advanced placement art class, mm-hmm. right? I didn't know yeah. that. I knew that. Yeah. My friend, my best friend, Sean, was in an advanced art class. He was with the seniors, right. like, when we was freshmen. So I never knew that he could draw or that he drew it at all. Mm-hmm. But I remember one day he was, like, talking shit to me. Woke me up. For, he actually woke me up from a nap I was taking in class. I was a cat, I was a class sleeper. <laughs> so he, like, woke me up to talk shit to me about drawing a picture. And I was just like, like, bro, you don't draw. Like, yes, I do. I'm an AP, this, that, and the third. I'm just like. That doesn't matter. Like, I've been drawing for years. <laughs> I'm better than you, all this other stuff, right? Yeah. So I was super cocky, mm-hmm. right? So he's like, all right, bet. I bet I bet we could draw her to bet, like, the best, this, that, a third. Like, let's see what you got. So we got two. We each got a sheet of paper. Each had a pencil. And then we did, like, a. it was like a 30-minute sketch, right? Mm-hmm. So I did, like, a full-body type deal. But back then, like, my artwork was very cartoony. Yeah. So I was trying to go for realism, but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't understand it back <laughs> then, but it just came out cartoonish yeah. anyways. And it was still dope, but, like, the way he drew her, it was just very surreal. Like, yeah. every detail was all point. He had yeah. the eyes, the right nose, the right mouth. Shading. Shading. Shadows. And, like, he just looked at me and just started laughing. And, like, everybody in the class was looking like, ooh, like, oh, shit. Like, he could actually sketch. And I was looking like, fuck. Yeah. Like, what made him so good? Like, he had yeah. a teacher. Like, I just remember, like, I, that was an L that I took. And I was just like, okay, I kind of need to learn from this. Yeah. First off, not be cocky because you never know who's going to outdo you for real. Mm-hmm. And then two was just practice more. Yeah. You know. So from there, it's just I just never wanted to find myself in that position to where my ego kind of got hit. Mm-hmm. So I just got better, you yeah. know, over time. Okay. I've had some ego moments, but I mean... I think mine comes with the territory. <laughs> when you work in media, it's kind of like you get forced to put your ego out there sometimes. True, true. But um, I think what keeps me grounded and what keeps me humble, because, I mean, I'm not cocky at all when it comes to what I do. I just love what I do. Yep. But what keeps me humble is the people that I talk to and I sit down with. Like, the best thing for me is being able to reach out and literally select the people who I interview. Or when people reach out to me, be, having the ability to say yes or no. Like, not that I want to turn people down to hurt their feelings, but I just know that I know what messages I'm trying to put out there or what energies I'm trying to highlight on my podcast. So when everyone reaches out, I might not get everybody in because it's not that they're a bad person. It's not that they're not good at what they do. It's just that they don't fit in what I'm putting out there. No, I feel that. So with that being said. It's like me. (laughs) It's just like when I take on a commission, like. If I do a commission for someone and they they have an idea of what they want, but it doesn't really correlate with anything that I've drawn before, mm-hmm. it's really like, like I, first I ask myself if I have the time for it, but yeah. then second, it's like I don't want to turn you down, but then at the same time it's like, do I really want to put myself, like it just doesn't feel real, yeah. you know, when it's done like that. Like mm-hmm. I'd much rather kind of accept the commission where it's more open to my style mm-hmm. like where i can just do it without really having to second guess everything you know yeah that you can be confident in it because exactly. somebody's paying you to do it too so it's like 
you don't want to be halfway motivated and then like give them right. something that you look at. They might still love it, but it's something you might look at and be I'm like, "Here to do this interview for Chad." And <laughs> Chad's kind of a dick, but you know, he paid me to interview him. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, you don't want that because well, people people are going to read right through it. So I don't know when it happened, but why did we all of a sudden jump on this train of having to of having to do these quick ass events? Yeah. Knowing damn well it's not gonna be it's not gonna be to a T of how we imagine it to be. Yep, and I learned that. That was one of them L's that I learned. <laughs> one of them lessons because oh, yeah. it was like, you know, just wanting to put out like wanting to stay in the in the, I guess in the atmosphere like wanting to be in the air, wanting people to be have something to talk about, not feeling like mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there and I'm falling behind or you know I'm becoming irrelevant. But through those L's, I learned that it was diluting what i was trying to do true and so i was like i don't want to keep putting all this energy out when at the end i'm watering down everything that you're I watering down in. like it's almost like you're just watering you're watering down your passion for it yeah. you know just trying to do like these constant or quote-unquote consistent because that's the word we try to use now yeah you got to be consistent with what you do it's like yeah no nigga you got to plan your shit right like, and then it's, why, it's, why is that so hard? <laughs> yeah, and it's about gaining organic followers and people who really believe in what you're doing. Like, I have some people who've been following me before I had a podcast, before Army of Dreamers, just on social media. And so mm-hmm. these people are still on social media following me. These people are still paying attention to what I do with the podcast. And that handful of people are the people who, I, when I get up there, up there, they're still going to be seeing it. And I'm going to probably hit them up and be like, hey, let's... Let me fly you out. Let's get dinner. There we go. <laughs> there we go. For real. That's how I look at things because I pay so close attention to little stuff like that because as we spoke earlier, that support for me really wasn't there. So the people who did support in the smallest ways, it don't have to be money. It doesn't have to be, you know, anything but just being like a parent to it or being there for it, like actually taking an interest in what I'm doing and just sure. letting that be that like a true genuine interest. Some people nowadays only follow you to keep up with you, to see what you're doing. Yep. Not to see what you're doing in excitement, but just to, to take, keep checks on you. Yep, yep. And so for those reasons, I've decided to kind of step back a little bit and hone in. I was going to say, like, that's why I actually don't put out too much nowadays because it's like I don't want you to constantly see what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because when you do, are you really that impressed? Or are you really that intrigued? Or are you just kind of... You're just there, you know. Yeah. But when I do make a drop or when I do put an illustration out, it's it's crazy because it's <laughs> just like it's like it's like oh shit! Like I didn't know he was onto that. Yeah. You know, sure. like I like to surprise people because I feel like shock value is very important. It like, is. You, I want you to see me grow as an artist, so you'll never really see what I'm actually going through or what I'm doing because mm-hmm. you know we're all on this different path of evolution. So every time I show you something new just know that it came from just like not a place of just skill but just more so a place of internal growth yeah you know? and internal work internal work yeah yeah is there any advice you would give to fellow creatives people who are currently pursuing their passions you asking if I want to give people the cheat code. You ain't got to get them the cheat code. You give them a little bit, a little You're mustard. asking if I want to make my competition <laughs> bigger already. Oh, see, First of all, know. let's stop. Let's really, let me ask you a question because I didn't even think about that. Do you feel like you have, do you feel a competitive nature 
currently? Uh, from artists? Yeah. If I could be 100% honest, yeah. which I will be. Appreciate it. So, <laughs> the people, the artists that inspire me are actually, like, these are, like, artists from, like, 1700 B.C. and stuff. Like, yeah. that is, those are the artists I look up to. Like, yeah. Michelangelo. Like, yeah, I said it before. Michelangelo, Escher, Van Gogh, Picasso. Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Mm. I know a little bit of his work. Okay. You know, but <laughs> that's not what. When I saw it, when that's not like when I was a kid, that's not what I saw that inspired me to actually yeah. draw. Yeah. You know, it was actually actually it was actually MC Escher. Okay. Just like seeing all the different illustrations that he did, yeah. and I was just like, oh shit, like I want to do that. Yeah. So, in this generation, I have a few artists who I look up to. You know, most of them are actually they actually have their platform and they actually like they've been doing it for a minute. They've been published like multiple times in different magazines and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as my circle, I don't see competition because, you know, here's my advice to creatives. It's like I know that to make real inspirational artwork, there's a level to what you need to know about yourself to do it, especially when it comes to original work. You have to not only know the pain that you have in your heart that you're putting on this canvas, but you actually have to you have to heal that you know mm-hmm. like going through the pain process and the healing process mm-hmm. is how you create original pieces of artwork mm-hmm. that is how people see your work and they become inspired because they can relate to it they understand the message that's about that's behind it they understand like the meaning and then when they talk to you face to face like you can give them like that that point of view uh representation of like where it all stems from mm-hmm. and like i don't see a lot of that you know like i don't see i really don't see original art mm-hmm. I don't see anybody that's really trying to like grow. And when I say grow, I mean like I don't see anybody really challenging themselves like they should or they could be. Mm-hmm. Like how are you supposed to get how are you supposed to be better if you're not challenging yourself, you know? And so that's why I set the bar so high and that's yeah. why when I say like I compete with myself, it's me trying to outdo the last piece of artwork that everybody was like, "Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's lovely. That's beautiful." It's like, oh, "Okay, you love that." But I got to do something better, you know, because if I don't, you're going to still you're going to look at my new work and be like, oh, that's that's neat. Right. (laughs) But it wasn't better than this piece. Yeah. You know, so like that's how I feel. Like there's really no competition for me. Yeah. That's respected. Music wise. (laughs) Is there any um, are there any artists you are inspired by? I know you said J. Cole. So J. Cole, for sure. Uh, Like I love hip hop. I love R&B. I listened to a little bit of techno, and I was actually just thinking this morning, like, I love heavy metal, too. I actually listen to, like, a lot of uh, alternative. Heavy metal? I listen to rock and roll. Like, it's weird, (laughs) but, like, rock and roll actually inspires me here and there in classical music, too, so. So, you like heavy metal? Do you like alternative rock? I listen to Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. Okay. Or the Beatles here and there. Okay. Yeah. But hip hop for sure, just because like that's part of my that's a part of my culture. Like mm-hmm. I grew up on Tupac. Like that's my sister's favorite artist. And as yeah. far as R and B, she really loved Prince. Mm-hmm. So like I have that like in my background. Yeah. But then when I got to like high school, I actually branched out to Gorillas. I love Gorillas. You know, <laughs> Neo, Sean Paul was like the first album I ever bought. <laughs> so I love Sean Paul. Yeah. <laughs> When that music video used to come on, that I'm still in love. I used to be I just love Temptations. <laughs> Temptations was dope. Um, 
who did you say that stuck out to me? Oh, gorillas. I loved how they, you didn't know who they were. You just saw the animation. You just saw the cartoon. Yeah. Like, that's so dope. It is dope. <laughs> they still run with that till this you day. You can do a lot of different stuff with cartoons versus being an actual person in a video. Yep, yep. That was really smart on their part. I also like the fact that each individual artist actually does have their own projects outside mm-hmm. of that group. Like, mm-hmm. David Alborn is a really good singer. Yeah. Like, if people actually, like, looked into, like, his project, Bjork is the same way for me. Okay. Like, I'm I can't, familiar. you can't put her music in the box. <laughs> but she, like, sings, like, these crazy vocals. And mm-hmm. she always has, like, this crazy fashion sense. Like, I feel like when it came to music, I just felt like the artist, the, the more weird the artist was, the better their music was. Like, yeah. it, was just, it just made sense. Like, yeah. you're being who you actually are. The weird like, artists who, who make it. Then they have really dope music. Even if they don't make it, I still fuck with them. Yeah, like well, I'll I still, I'll still go back I mean, to the old make projects. Make it to a sense where you actually find their music because yeah. there's a lot of weird musicians out there that <laughs> don't like that you don't even get to their music. But I don't mean make it in like the sense of mainstream. But like if I find their music and they're weird, it's good. But Definitely. I've met people who I know who are like weird as hell, and it's just like it doesn't read. Like I don't, I don't pick it up. I feel like you're talking about SoundCloud artists. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some good ones, too. Like, that's not to take away from the artists who put their music on SoundCloud, because there's some really dope people who have music on SoundCloud yep. that I know. But the ones who literally are just putting music out, and it's not it's not working. There's some people who truly... I'm, ne- I'm never going to say you don't need to do something you love to do. For sure. But some people just don't have the formula. <laughs> formula is very important like you got to have the sound you got to have the visual aspect and it's really just you got to have the energy too Mm -hmm. you know like definitely you got to stay motivated like don't just drop a track and then disappear for three months because nobody's going to catch it that and like don't drop back-to-back projects either like give your project time we're in the space where everybody's doing that. Yeah, and I've said that, though. I've literally said that, like, constantly. I'm like, don't drop multiple projects back-to-back because if you're not somebody who can get their stuff played on the radio, yeah. if you're not somebody who can drop multiple, multiple albums, which is mainly mainstream artists, you need to take time on your project. Like, True. Because everybody's not going to hear it that quick, so you got to actually get it heard. And then from there, you need to put a couple visuals out. Yep. You want the visuals to be quality, so you got to pay you some type of money. You do. You, you do. Gotta or you just got to you got to know the right people or who you should work with. Yeah. That's Thank why I'm actually trying to get into directing because I feel like I could actually help a lot of not even local artists, but I could really help artists in general branch out into the more abstract video making. You know, yeah. like we all we do the same stuff nowadays where it's like. It's all about your network. You, you at the corner <laughs> store. You're in front of some type of neon lights. You're in a. Uh, bando. You're in a bando. <laughs> you got money. Like, bruh. <laughs> the song don't make me feel that. Yeah. I just want you to know. That's not what I see when I listen to your music. So five years back, shows were popping. Shows were amazing because it was this new wave of understanding that you can do something on your own without needing a big production behind you. Yeah. And it was really about just about gathering a bunch of people together to support you mm-hmm. on this platform. But nowadays, it's the fact that we keep doing it to the extent that really like a like a local a show really isn't that important anymore. Like it's good to like get your name out there, yeah. but it's not as uh, 
concrete or actually a word i want to say congruent yeah is that, is that am i using yeah, that right congruent that it's not <laughs> as congruent as it should be yeah and i felt like last year i was really trying to tell some people like last year like when y'all on the stage and you got your people with you what's wrong with doing like a just doing like a little bit of like a cosplay or like adding like a theme to yeah. your rap yeah. you know like you could actually do that yeah. and it would look crazy from like the from like the audience point of view but people would actually like reciprocate it more because yeah. it would have more meaning like yeah. this rapper was on stage and he had him and his friends had like luchadors they were dressed as luchadors yeah. and they was doing wrestling moves behind him as he was yeah. rapping music and i think it's just about a team too like a lot of times we like to stick with the individualistic ideas of i can do it all by myself i'm glad you said that yeah and i That's was one crazy. of those people like i truly am and still i feel like if i got to i will do it by myself but i know the value of a team because i've operated so long without one yeah that even just having one person come in and be like all right i got this for you it's like it takes so much off of your shoulders to the point where it's very important to have a team. The problem is, is it's not easy and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy too. Trust. Cause a lot of people aren't as motivated as you are when it comes to building a brand name and putting yourself out there. Yeah. Like just from my experience with when I was younger, trying to do art shows and working with people, it was really like me coming up with all the ideas. Yes. So funny thing is, I'm the procrastinator. Yeah, I'm the procrastinator. <laughs> I'm the one that's chill. I'm the one that's laid back. And you telling me I got to be the leader? Right. Oh, fuck. Yes. That's not, exactly how I'm it not is. saying the ship is about to sink, but I'm a. That's exactly <laughs> how it is. And it's not even that I want it's to procrastinate. Hard. It's just that the the for me, the idea of team is, all right, we're about to come to the table. We're going to create dope ideas together. We're going to execute together. We're exactly. going to keep each other on our toes. But a lot of times and more often than not, I'm the one that's like stuck having to make the decisions, having to put the work out there. And like you said, I'm a natural procrastinator. Like I've inherited Back this against trade. the wall. <laughs> but <laughs> I am thankful for the experiences I have had because it has thrusted me out of that to where it's like mm -hmm. I'm always a procrastinator at heart, but I know my level of procrastination has gotten smaller. Like yep. in high school when I had a paper due. I'd sleep, enjoy my whole month. Wait till that and last then the week. Night, no, the <laughs> night before the paper is due. That shows you how good of a writer I am because I, every time the night before a paper is due, I write the paper. I did that same thing for a college thesis one yeah, time. Me too. Yeah. In a, um, what was that class? Uh, introduction to the New Testament. But I, I finessed that and I got a B plus. <laughs> In college, you know what that means. That means you are, that means you're a genius by nature. You know that, right? Yeah, but that sucks because that's where I say, you know, I always feel like I kind of hold myself back because I never put a hundred percent out ever. I put about fifty percent out and I get eighty. If I put a hundred percent out, I get like two hundred. I feel you because like I, my thing has just always been that <laughs> certain subject matters or certain activities they just. They was just boring to me. So Same. I just didn't get that involved. But I was smart enough to just do the work like outside of like class or whatever. So that like, when it came down to like a test or something, I would just do it and get yeah. like a B plus or something on it. Yeah. My yeah. mom my mom hated that about me. Same. But then I think now that we're in this space where the world is now, I d I don't think it was um I think that it could be forgiven in a way to me. Like my own um 
things that I had, <clears throat> my own things I had within myself of feeling like I kind of let myself down or held myself back from opportunities. To me now, all is forgiven because yep. it's all coming back and everything is paying out the way that I first seen it paying out then like i've always been a person who thought about things you were a genius you're a natural born <laughs> genius but i was always that person that was like all right this is what i want so this is how i'm gonna get it and then next to that was always the list or the directions on how to get it but that's i what always I, was but that's like, what i mean by genius because you've already thought about you've already planned it out in your head what's going to happen yeah. the world doesn't do that yeah. they don't plan they just say they just do it mm-hmm. and they expect it to have like this grand like amazing outcome and mm-hmm. like that doesn't that doesn't happen yeah. like you don't really become successful off that like you'd be surprised that yeah. the like what do they say they say the people that talk to themselves the most are actually crazy smart that's me <laughs> that's me too all right y'all well this has been fun thank you again trav we look forward to talking to you again soon oh for sure appreciate the platform thank you for the lovely discussion absolutely i'm glad we could touch on <laughs> so many aspects I, know. I can't wait to see the completed project yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow me on IG. I go by the great travesty, the underscore great underscore travesty. I also have uh, art Instagram as well. That is great underscore travesty underscore art. Uh, check me out on Twitter underscore travesty. And uh, yeah, be on the lookout. I got a lot of things coming. I'm working with a few local musicians and a local uh, clothing designer as far as being a creative director. I have a children's book coming out, actually two, and I'm actually doing a series with a local writer. (laughs) It's going to be published pretty soon. Uh, My art show, personal show, will be in later time in February, which is around my birthday. And yeah, you know, just stay motivated, stay passionate, and just always push yourself. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Well, y'all know where to find me at AOD Media Group, and we out. Army of Dreamers 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 D